HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni, and today is November 5th, 2019. Whoa, it's December 10th, 2019. We've got some great Basically guests happened. joining us tonight to talk about new beer brands of 2019. Um, let's just go around the room and introduce everybody. Hello, I am Gage from Non Sequitur Beer Project. At my feet is Nelson, our canine mascot, who uh, might shake off during, but he doesn't talk much. So this is a pretty interesting show. So Gage... You reached out to me a while ago, and you said, we're, we're going to do the new breweries or, or beer brands of as New York City. As many as we could get. And you have quite a, quite a crew. So let's see who else is here today. Hey, this is Tara Hankinson from Talea Beer Company. I'm the uh, co-founder. I'm Johnny Osborne. I'm the head brewer of Talea Beer Company. And I'm so, pro- I'm so happy to meet you guys. Since last spring, you guys have been reaching out. You've done so many things. You've done... Uh, Beer, beer without beards. Um, you even interact with Origin Malt. We had a great uh, malt and grain show this summer. So it's nice to meet you guys finally. And another brand is here. Yeah, howdy. I'm Eric Schultz, and uh, I'm one of the co-founders of the Little Blind Beer. Thank you. So, Gage, let's let's talk. Um, you've kind of become the I don't know Pied Piper of Pied the, these Piper. new uh, this is good. <laughs> new brewery brands. My head. It's expanding. <laughs> Soon we will burst out onto all of the. All of Roberta's outside. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I mean, I was with Beer Menus, which is, I think, the joke you're making. Uh, still do it during the day. Um, but I came in dead last at 2019 Brewery. These, these guys all beat me this year, as well as uh, Public Access and Free Thought, uh, who aren't here with us. But uh, it's, a, it's a fun place, a fun city to be doing beer in, and a really crowded market with a lot of local brands who have a home, and are here and have been here for a long time. So I, you know, I think it's a really interesting subject and w- to talk about why we all decided to do this right now. And uh, I don't know, being the last one, I figured I'm the I'm the the kid as far as is all concerned. So I wanted to get all my friends together and talk about it. And did, did you also put together an, an event at As Is recently? Yeah, yeah. So when I launched, because what I do is because I don't have a tap room, and instead of just not having one. Uh, I do pop-ups. So I take over non-traditional spaces. I do events, lots of events. And every beer gets a charity. So I donate a portion of the proceeds to a charitable organization. So with the first launch, the first beer, I wanted to do a ton of parties. I think we did, like, Johnny, what was it, like, 15? You were at a lot. Johnny came out. Johnny came out. Johnny showed up. I tried to be at a lot of those things. Yeah, he's good. And uh, and so one that I Johnny wanted to Osborne. do... Johnny Love that name. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get the whole crew together, right? Because... I mean, in the end, we're gonna we're all taking this journey together. We all are coming from the same place into this exact same market, um, selling almost all of our beer in New York City, all three of us, and the other two predominantly as well. So it was a good opportunity to get everybody together. Let's get everybody's backstory. So you guys all love beer. That's the thing. I, f- I feel like we're kind of at a new new dawning of, of the New York City uh, craft beer where you guys are, are new brands. You, you've got experience in business and marketing, but you love beer. And some of you have made beer and worked in beer. So let's, let's, let's start with you, Eric, Little Blind. Tell us what we're drinking and look, quick, story, quick backstory on you because yeah. I know you love beer and uh, yeah. you're really interested in, in – this new brand so yeah yeah definitely um my background in beer i mean started i kind of always say this but my uh 
my kind of coming of age in beer was in the mid 2000s in San Diego. I'm from the West Coast. Um, so kind of what I always say is I didn't drink Natty Light in college. We were drinking, you know, Alesmith IPA and Stone Arrogant Bastards. That, that was just very much the culture there. A lot of people were getting into home brewing. Um, so I did as well. Um, post-college, I went into finance. So that's where I had been working for the last uh, six or seven years. Um, and then a couple years peeled off and did another project um, in beer. And so then me and the other co-founder, who's the, the true beer knowledge behind it. Um, we love we you, just, Drew. Yeah, exactly. I, who I believe is listening in right now. Uh, but his background, he's, uh, star, he's a microbiologist, uh, worked at New Belgium, came up in the quality program there, um, which has a, a pretty great storied uh, sour program, um, and then went over to Brooklyn, where he was the director of quality, um, kind of built out the souring hey, program what there. what are we drinking right Yeah, now? yeah. So right now, just kind of to play on that point, um, a lot of beer, uh, a lot of Drew's beer interest is along the, the souring side, um, and so kind of taking the some of the big... Uh, uh, I guess the infatuation with these kind of new wave hops right now and combining that with um, a sour ale. So, but people are calling it a sour IPA. So we, we've done a lot of that, but also doing some fruited sours. Um, no, that's and, great. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot more to you. Now I want to get Tara in from Talea. Tell us your backstory. Cause we're, we're building up to this. Uh, there's a new dawn coming in New York city beer and you guys are part of it. Yeah, so I uh, met my co-founder, Leanne Darland, who is currently at the New York City Brewers Guild meeting and couldn't be here. Uh, we met at a beer e-commerce startup called Hopsy, where we had both left our corporate careers in tech and media to get closer to the beer industry because we always knew, um, at least years before then, we had an interest in beer. I had worked at a winery for a summer out in the Hamptons, and so... I was interested in hospitality and um, the creativity in the beer community and the fact that I thought um, there really doesn't exist an experience like a winery experience in the beer world where you're focused on education, tours, uh, private events, and really creating an upscale hospitality experience. So that's where my original kernel of the idea of getting into beer started. Leanne and I have both um, homebrewed in the past and then we just started researching the market, as MBAs do, and uh, thought that there was a great opportunity in New York. New York's still an undersaturated market for beer. And um, within last July, or July 2018, we started working on this project, and within a few weeks, we knew we needed a real brewer on board. Our home brewing skills wouldn't cut it, so that's when we first reached out to Johnny. Well, that's. I think that's where I'm going with this, is that, and, and you guys have... I feel like now the, the background, the barrier to entry is, is much higher than it used to be. I mean, you, you have interest in beer, but you have to have, be able to get capital. You have to have some better sense of, of how to run a business and how to put it together. Um, and you also then need to be able to, you, you have experienced brewers like, you know, Johnny here. Um, let's, let's, let's go on that. Let's talk more about that, the, the, where you guys feel like you are. Because I feel like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it wasn't the case. You could you could open a garage brewery and start <laughs> building your brand that way as a hands-on brewer. Yeah, especially in New York, I think the amount of capital that you need to get a company off the ground, um, especially if you're building a physical space, it's just so monumental and there's so much risk involved. So I think like most of the folks here and the other two new freshman class breweries who couldn't be here, we started with contract brewing as a way to both test the market, um, get a product out there, build up the reputation of our name, and then also to prove to investors that we can make great beer and sell it. And so that was a much easier way than you know putting down a couple million dollars to immediately open our own space. But since getting our product in market in April, we have been fundraising and we just signed a lease on a space in Williamsburg. So we will be going the traditional and the most profitable avenue in the beer industry, which is having <laughs> your own physical space where you're both brewing what, that beer and, and what's selling. And what street is that on? Uh, so it's the address is 87 Richardson Street in Williamsburg. It's right on the corner of Richardson Street and Leonard. It's um, right near New York Distilling. Yep. And a uh, block south of McCarran Park. So. That's nice. I need a, a brewery closer to my apartment because uh, 
<laughs> I think you saved me like three blocks as opposed to going to Interboro or Grimm. So that's great. Thank you guys so much. That's what Again, I need. everything for you, Gage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't have a, I'm, I don't have a space. I won't have a space. I think, and what's really interesting among, just among the three of us, um, as well as the, the other two who couldn't make it, is that we are all approaching this very differently. You guys, uh, Talea taking the route of opening a tap room and now uh, Little Blind uh, Drew is going to, is has gone to California. We miss you again. We miss you. Um, <laughs> and you guys are doing it totally differently. You're just you're gonna like truly take the nomadic approach to doing things wild. I, I don't I don't know. I won't speak to what you're doing. No, All I do true. is make beer yeah. in New York to mostly <laughs> yeah. sell in New York. What are you guys doing? I, this is actually I'm really in, I'm asking for me. Forget the audience. No, yeah, that that's totally true. We're um, you know, I won't say that like a tap room or something is off the table. I mean, because of our focus on sour, um, the idea of a fermentary is pretty, um, high on the mind and just from like a capital expense and yeah, just the way beer has moved it, it, that model has gotten really interesting, but yeah, our approach is Drew lives out on the West coast. So I'm here on the East coast and take the true nomadic, um, brewing where we're fine to kind of, uh, own that. And, uh, we think there's yeah, as been this proliferation of breweries, turns out there's also a lot of capacity out there. So it's kind of a, a fun thing to hop on the backs of some of this. So there is there, there's, capital, there's yeah. a lot of capacities. I know like places like Torch and Crown, there's pla- there's yeah. places to brew. But what about ingredients? So earlier, Johnny, uh, quis- quickly tell us what beer we're drinking, and then we'll ask about the materials that you source. So right now you're drinking Double Date, which is a hazy double IPA. Uh, we're using a variety of like interesting hot products in it. Uh, we've got incognito hops which are uh, sort of a new type of extract for use in the whirlpool to add a bunch of aromatic and flavor active compounds to that as well as cryo hops which are sort of like a concentrated hop product to allow us to get like even more flavor and aroma into our beer without increasing our vegetal matter and that's beneficial because there's kind of like an astringent quality that goes along with like continuing to add vegetal matter to beers and it's a it's a great you know tool in our wheelhouse um and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that we're a brewery that we're, we're putting a lot of thought into our supply chain, particularly when it comes to hops. Um, so we have, even though we're only about like, you know, six months or so, maybe eight, I'm bad at dates, uh, into <laughs> making beers. Your girlfriend uh, loves that. Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, wow, that threw me off. No. no. <laughs> so uh, we're about six or eight months into making beers, but uh, this next release that we've got coming out this week, Cherry Berry Tart Deco, um, and we're going to taste the uh, the precursor to it, Tropic Berry Tart Deco, um, is our first beer made with our own contracted hops, um, where we're going uh, in, in that hop. We don't go technically like direct from farm. Uh, we're using a broker, um, but we know the farmer and we are but then how, how, how com- earlier Tara, you're talking about the need for capital how complicated is it to get into the supply chain i'm thinking about uh, i'm a a project or a contract contract yeah, such, a, such a different i want kegs i want a canning system five years ago this what we did what you do is impossible was impossible you couldn't you couldn't do hop by hops this way get, i mean you could get kegs this way but so you're um, saying it's 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 easier now than it was to, to, to get to, raw materials I'll, I'll let Johnny speak to that because I think it's a lot about the relationships and um, just being really interested in making those long-term relationships and partnerships. So one of the uh, the big dynamic for small breweries right now when it comes to uh, raw material sourcing is that like malt is pretty easy to get a hold of. There are a few major distributors that represent the big malt houses. Um, and... Uh, Raw materials are the difficult part, and you can get access to anything you want off of secondary selling as long as it's the right time of year. Sometimes things sell out, uh, but the prices can be like wildly inflated and make it super hard to make beers using certain ingredients, uh, particularly for breweries that are new and don't have contracts built up. Um, decreasingly, young breweries are contracting their hops in the future. Uh, so there was a conversation at the craft beer conference in Denver this year, I should say a presentation, not a conversation, talking about how uh, less than 50% of new breweries, breweries uh, three years or under, I want to say the stat was, are now contracting hops um, due to sort of like some scares that occurred in the industry with over-contracting or under-contracting of hops. Uh, some major breweries have been really sort of like left in a lurch um, by having too much or not nearly enough of critical materials. Um, and new breweries are kind of just like making use of these secondary market ingredients. Um 
we personally at Talea are trying to take a more cautious approach that we feel is more friendly to our brokers and farmers. Um, so contracting is beneficial to those farmers in that it's a it's a guarantee that you're going to buy it. Like as long as you don't go broke, you're saying you're going to buy these hops from them in that year. And that lets them know I can plant this crop and I've got something to go from there. Um, it also I feel like is beneficial. It's not a totally altruistic thing. It gets me an interaction with the person that knows the product way better than I do. Um, as a brewer, I learn a lot about hops work in beer. I can't possibly know that much about how hops are grown and what the best quality stuff is. And I want to have that relationship with our raw material suppliers so that we can get the best hops and know that we're working with the best ingredients. But then part of it is you, you need capital. So you need, you need to kind of know you have, you're going to be in business for a while and that's an approach you're taking. Tara, tell us, I want to hear a bit about your business background because you seem to have this whole thing figured out. Oh. And your other partner, Leanne, <laughs> is, is running for New York City, the, the Brewers uh, Guild. Guild Board. Yes. So you guys are, are, like I'm trying to say, you're this fresh new energy with a little different perspective. Um, Far from having everything figured out, uh, I mean, <laughs> it still totally throws me when we get a parking ticket when we're doing deliveries because I'm like, that's not in the budget. Um, <laughs> but I think our path was that we chose to self-fund uh, contract brewing. So being a little older in our early 30s and having worked in the corporate world was very advantageous for us to be able to uh, fund our first, you know, fund our first few batches, and now starting to bootstrap and continuing to brew, um, when it comes to ingredient sourcing, you know, the market is crowded, and it's. I'm really proud of our packaging. I'm really proud of the brand we've built. But at the end of the day, the beer has to stand for itself, especially when it's on draft and someone doesn't have a pretty looking can to to uh, gaze into. I think about that um, a lot. I For all of the work I put into the packaging and then it goes on draft and you have to hope that like the bar is going to get your description and that the bar is going to say what you want to say about it because um, it's like, oh, you just get a beer with a with a name that's fun and then they it looks good in a glass or, or but, maybe it doesn't meet the consumer's expectations. You, why did you start yeah. Non-Sequitur? Why did I start and, non -sequitur? And tell us some of the steps you're involved in. <laughs> Why did I do this? Good question, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've, you know, I, I've been in, in and out of New York City beer for upwards of five years uh, in different capacities. And I love the idea of having a brewery, of doing my own thing, uh, the entrepreneurial dream. I think we all have had it one way. We've all done it. We've all done it. We're all doing it. Um, but what I saw in New York City specifically, I mean, in the industry at large, is that a lot of breweries, especially new newer uh, brands, don't really stand for anything in particular, aren't trying to do... You, you either need to have a hook, you need to do something differently, or you need to stand for something, or preferably both. Um, and so I wanted to fill uh, you know that gap by doing something that matters. Why I do the charitable giving attached to every single beer... Um, I don't ever want someone to hear me complain about politics and then say, stay in your lane, uh, because that's been the mission from day one, is that I'm always uh, shouting on about supporting people who are locked out of beer, craft beer or, or, you know, spaces in public and uh, whatever. There's a lot to that. We didn't need to get into the weeds there. Um, but the other side is that... Wait, I, so on that note, oh, a recent event, what, what's a charity that so, you So this beer, we're, we're currently drinking uh, the last can that cracked was mine is begging for attention this is my second beer uh we packaged about two weeks two weeks ago today and the charity is the new york immigration coalition so they are an umbrella organization that support uh, a variety of immigration based uh, focused charities whether that is legal aid um english as a second language um food drives and, and churches and there's a million the 200 plus but a lot of different organizations. Um, so I wanted to stand for something. And the other thing is I wanted to do something different. So I do the event-based and pop-ups because I think what we've done in the past, what a lot of other breweries have done in the past, is, all right, you make a lot of beers, you have your tap room, that's great. You want to do something at a bar, you say, all right, well, we've got four beers on tap. Could have got them at our tap room. Or you can come to this bar and just drink four of our beers and maybe someone you'd like to meet will be here. And that's fine, but that's not exactly exciting anymore. We've done that. We've all done that a million times. 
So what I want to do is bring you to a place you wouldn't normally have a beer event. So my first pop-up, true pop-up, was a coffee shop after hours. And everybody drank their beer out of mugs because proper glassware be damned. We're drinking out of <laughs> tiny mason jars now. Um, and uh, we just, like, had a party and danced all night and had a good time. And the second one, we took over a movie theater at Alamo Draft House. We watched Space Jam and drank the new beer, this beer. Uh, and it's just about introducing new experiences to craft beer along with drinking your beer. And not only is that hopefully, I hope, fun and interesting and different, but it means that, or it makes the space more approachable to people who maybe don't love hanging out in bars or don't love the old model or who feel that, like, they don't have room in a bar. I mean, it's like the, the, the core of the issue is that bars where we hang out and where we do this tend to be dark and filled with dudes who look like uh the, the four of us sorry i don't mean to i don't mean to cut you out of this one tara but it's I all know, it's I all it's, I, I don't. <laughs> it's a lot of I'm white white dudes with beards and unfortunately uh that is not the the it is not an equal uh makeup of the drinking populace um and so that you have sucks. you have That's a mission bullshit. behind this it is about You're making craft beer oriented. more inclusive as is uh as is everybody else in this room we all absolutely I know whether it is like a, a cornerstone or not care about craft beer being more accessible and more inclusive so it has to be craft beer this this couldn't be a hard seltzer project Ooh, this wouldn't not, be a I'm wine cooler people project. have asked me and while you care, I you care about the beer, the beer <laughs> I do. Actually, so I what is this beer again? Tell us what it is. So this is this is uh, it's a New England IPA begging for attention, um, and it has Rakao, Human, Equinot, uh, hops, and a little bit of rye, um, but is otherwise like uh, I'm not reinventing the wheel. The goal with my beers is I want to make a beer that is uh, that is the best representation of a style we understand. You understand, people understand, whatever, um, without being crazy complicated i mean uh, like sour ipas can be can be fun and i love this one and this is a phenomenal example how and both of these both of what we'll drink but there's also this sort of angle of like sour ipas chock full of candy and extra tons and tons and tons of adjuncts where when you drink it you can drink five ounces of it and it's not pleasant to drink a lot of. And that is not the case with either of these. And you have, I don't need Johnny to defend himself. You have himself. a great, no, a great palate. <laughs> Hold on. Now we're going to go to a little blind back. Back to a little blind. So, uh, Eric, so your backstory. So you told us about it, but why little blind? I know you guys had a side project, Sunday beer, about a craft light lager. Yeah. What's little blind? And, you know, there's some art involved. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, my... I am a beer guy. I enjoy beer. And I, I resonate with a ton of what Gage says because Sunday beer, uh, you know, slightly off topic, but like it's it's about having fun. Like our motto is it's beer, don't be a hero. Um, so we took a... <laughs> so we you, have, you have a project called Sunday Beer. Yeah. So we it's definitely like about having fun. And, and for us, Little Blind is was kind of in the same vein. Um, you know, for Drew, our brewer, just trying to get more experimental. Um, sour is where we tend to go. Uh, we... We do avoid lactose and, and some of the adjuncts. <laughs> so this sour IPA is actually like a homegrown culture uh, from Drew. And um, yeah, but Little Blind, so we, we actually um, collaborated with an artist based out of Ojai, California. Um, and he just does some really fun, trippy stuff. And so we, we've just really enjoyed where um, kind of craft beer has gone in this whole, like the labels becoming a sort of piece of art. So. We just thought it was a really cool way um, to kind of showcase some some artists. Um, so right now, you know, we work with him at Real Fun Wow's his Instagram handle. Um, but yeah, that's you know, beer is this like it's kind of this become this thing that has gotten very like artisanal. Um, and so like combining that with the label and the brand and, and really kind of playing up that whole artistic side of thing has become like a fun project within it. And uh, kind of getting that uh, that otherworldly vibe, which is kind of going after what, what the taste we're going for, yet still hopefully approachable, um, something that you could actually drink 16 ounces of. Um, and Great. so, yeah, well, that's the vibe. Let's keep tasting beer. I'm going to ask a question. I think that this might be for Tara first, but um, are there barriers to becoming a beer drinker? That's That's a... Ooh, I love that question. That's a big question, but I feel like that you guys in particular are attempting to, to get through that. I mean, I know you worked at Wolfers, 
which is like famous for not just rosé wine, but the dry rosé cider that everyone mm-hmm. drinks. So, you know, what, what's your vision for reaching new customers? Are you trying to reach women as in a way that they're not being reached by, I think, male-centric uh, packaging? Yeah, I, I love that question, Jimmy. I think that um, if I were to blind serve the beers at this table to my friends who don't consider them craft beer drinkers, they would probably really enjoy them because a lot of the styles in that are really popular in craft beer are, you know, New England IPs, low in bitterness, really fruit forward or sour beers, which have a flavor profile that's more akin to a cider or a cocktail. And that's um, a really amazing shift towards making what I would call more accessible flavors. But I also think that there's a lot of education that needs to happen and accessibility that needs to happen, which goes back to what Gage said. So for us, part of that is um, getting our beer. One of our initial goals was we want to get into Whole Foods. And we wanted the Whole Foods shopper, which 62% of Whole Foods shoppers are women shopping, shopping during the day. And since in New York City you can't buy hard alcohol or wine in Whole Foods, we thought it would be a really great way to you know, have a beer that is a little bit more in gender neutral packaging that's playful, colorful, um, that attracts the female consumer base. But at the end of the day, our target market is to grow craft beer. And that means stealing share from hard seltzer and cider and wine and cocktails. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah. No, I mean, like well, them, not pro oh. you. Pro you, <laughs> pro hard seltzer. Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I support you. Big beer is in decline. Craft beer is still growing, especially in New York. And I think that to continue to infuse growth in the industry, it's reaching outside of the typical craft beer drinker, which is why for us the tap room is so important because we want to bring people into our space. Um, similar to Gage, we want to offer people an experience that's different than a typical tap room and um, entice people to come in. That also leads to the way that we're marketing ourselves. So we've done tastings at places like Bloomingdale's headquarters, um, L magazine, we're trying to put our beer where craft beer hasn't gone before so that we can entice some of those consumers. And, you know, I, I don't think we're reinventing the wheel. I just think that being um, outside of the craft beer industry with business experience and being women who are underrepresented in craft beer, it's just a little bit of a different perspective on what's going on in the market historically. And so it's more, it's more about the marketing and just how you interact with people, but you're still making like solid quality beers. It's, I mean, yeah, but like, I think marketing is a, is a, not the right way to put it. And I, and I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I think it's really important is that it is about where it's about where you go, where you sell, uh, where you show up as, as a, as the people who are the brand. So for you to go to Bloomingdale's and L places that do have probably never had a craft beer tasting, especially a uh, craft beer tasting from, Women, right? Because uh, there, we have like three partial owners of breweries in New York City who are women. Uh, every uh, the rest are men. There's only so three. I mean, I, I would. Uh, that's that feels like a fair guess based on. I think I know everybody, and I'm sorry if I'm forgetting someone. But the the to to do this, if you want to um, appeal, not only appeal but truly like communicate with uh, communities who are locked out, is about where you go. I mean, marketing, sure, you have to market. And lab- packaging, you have to have good-looking packaging. You can't have bad art. But it's about where you go and that you go to those places that are underseen. But product, you know, the liquid in the can is part of the marketing because Most someone could... Part. Well, yeah, someone could pick up, uh, you know, our four-pack or six-pack off the shelf. But if the beer isn't good, they're not going to come back. And if they taste it at the bar, they're not going to buy a full pint if it's not good. Um so I think the liquid is still so I hate the term the liquid, the liquid. but <laughs> the beer still has to be really good. And, you know, going back to values and mission, um, millennial consumers care about brands that have values that are similar to them. Uh, more than 50 percent of millennial women know the origin story of their favorite brand and a number of them also know the names of the founders of their favorite brands. So creating a connection with our end consumers is really important to us. And it requires putting ourselves out there, putting our story out there and getting our beer in unexpected places. So I guess cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. We're getting yeah. somewhere different. Gage, I, I, um, I didn't quite realize that you had this mission oriented approach and I'm, I'm really glad you're talking about it. 
Because I knew you as the beer menus guy. And uh, you, you had data. At one yeah. time, you had data at Me, your Mr. Mr. Computer. You know who's uh, who, what beers are moving. And right. So what, what about the new? What? So these new, I mean, you call them New York City breweries, but are, are you a brewery if, if you don't have a brewery? Oh, that's an unfair question. I think, like, the uh, just because you're contracting does not mean that you are not involved in the process. And I think that bec- the, the question is... Um, is to be posed to everybody, right? Like we, okay, so I contract. I don't physically, I don't like do the whole of my brew front to back. Like brew, seller, package. I cannot, I'd have to be there every single day at a brewery that I don't own, uh, you know, uh, far away away from what I'm doing. But I do show up and I, I write the recipe. We all write our recipes. We all show up for the important part of the processes, and then we trust the facility with whom we work to do to fill in the gaps. Uh, and someone can tell me if I'm speaking out of turn. Um, and then just but uh, their ingredients. So you'll use ingredients that that brewery is getting. I you don't. Bring I will in your own se- ingredients. Well, I mean, I I select what will go into my beer. I've written the recipe. I select you know what we're ordering, where we're ordering it from, because I mean, I'm I'm making exclusively IPA right now. Unfortunately, I wish I could make other beers, but I can't sell other beers yet. So whatever. I go with IPA. Um, and this beer, my begging for attention, has Rakao. And Rakao's a great hop. I love it. But buying spot hops, buying from other people's leftover contracts, which is what Johnny was describing, um, can be a hit or miss game. You cannot always get the best quality hops. So it's about choosing who you're buying from. So, for example, these are Funkworks from Colorado's Extra Rakao. So I trust, because I trust their product and them as professionals, as brewers, that I'm getting a quality product. So, I mean, I, I am as involved, pretty involved in the process. I could be more. I will admit that. But just because I don't have a physical location and I'm not a brewer doesn't make me not a brewery and only a brand. There's a lot more. And, I mean, there are certainly, if we just move that line to a different place, there's plenty of people with physical breweries who are terrible at every other part of this. Uh, and I don't want to not call them brands. Is that a terrible? That's a that's a bad catchphrase. I don't don't marry me to that. Don't save that. Forget that. Well, let's do this. Let's go, let's go back to Eric. So the next beer we're drinking, we get a lot of beers to taste, and it's a good chance to talk tell about who's here. Yeah, yeah, totally. So right now we're drinking a Zone Expansion, um, and so Little Blind, Little Blind, yeah, Little Blind, uh, and Zone Expansion. We just did a double release. Um, so this one is it's heavily fruited. About uh, 900 pounds of tangerine and peach, um, and that's with our... 30 barrels? This was a 15 barrel. 15. Uh, yeah. Oh. And then this was with, yeah. A lot I'm, of glad, I'm glad you it's said there was fruit organ because fruits, yeah. I tasted the Love. fruit. Yeah. That's one thing I can say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, super, I mean, this is definitely a little bit of punch in the mouth. It's it's super tart and, and super fruity. Um, so really kind of just going after it with, with both of those um, ingredients. So, jump into the next point. Where, where do you sell? I mean, I know like Tilly has been at. I've heard about them for a while. I know that Beer Table often carries them, and they've told me about them. So, to me, that that's Love a them. seal of approval. To me, they're a good beer seal, you know, establishment. Where, where are some places that, that you sell? Yeah, little yeah, we're also at, at Beer Table, Beer Table in Grand Central. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, yeah, 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 all of us just uh, did. I think we just did like. Eight cases to them on this last release. Um, nice. I think that's Gavin. That, yeah. yeah, Gavin. That's Gavin. Noah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we the love next you, week's Gavin. special episode: the beer really table great. experts talking uh, about <laughs> Abbey style ales. <laughs> nice. There you go. No Surprising with six different Abbey style. Ales. Um, yeah. So we're. I mean, we're. I don't know. I want to say we're probably a little blind has made it. This is our fifth release. We did three releases, and then uh, this fourth release was a double release. Um, and so I want to say we've probably been in 75 to 100 accounts. So it's mostly, I mean, with Little Blind, just to, I guess, probably set the stage a little bit, it is a one-and-done type project. So we release a beer, and then that's kind of it. It's done. So it really plays into the whole Rotation Nation thing. So we're not really trying to get on, on menus here. We're really just going after craft beer bars and um, obviously some of the off-premise so like stuff. what's cool, what's new, what's the next Little Blind? <laughs> what is yeah? What is know. the next little one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the next little um, one? Also, yeah. I mean, so we actually gave our first try at a um, at just a, a straight up double IPA, um, and so I you know sour has always been a part of it, and that that will always be a part of what we're doing. 
Um, I think we're gonna maybe give another try at just like a, a classic New England IPA. So I don't, yeah. I don't mean to steal your thunder. This is about you. No, that's, that's because Drew, you and Drew explained this to me. You at said the that twice already, Gage. Yeah. Well, because what I'm, is this stealing your thunder? I'm teeing him up. I'm teeing him up. <laughs> what you guys did, you made the sour that we're drinking, and a double IPA. Yeah. And released them together, with the option that you would mix the cases so that people, consumers, and bars and whomever could blend them to make a third fun new beer. And I think that is fucking Is that really the point? Dope. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is. So, yeah. That, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. We haven't sorted. So this release was just like a week and a half ago, and we have, actually haven't gotten that messaging out there uh, to the consumer. But yeah, I mean, we've only done sour IPAs up until this point. And so this last release was a double IPA and a, and a fruited sour. So we're kind of having some fun. And just uh, back to just having fun. Like that, it's obviously a super silly thing, but a manual blend. You guys uh, are great. Part of the we're going to have to take a short break. We'll be back oh. in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. See ya. My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio. Hey, this is like the new New York City breweries um, organized by Gage from Non Sequitur. We got uh, a beer from Free Thought, also um, Little Blind and Talia. So we're switching back to Talia. So you get Johnny Osborne. So you guys set up. There's different things happening here. We're, we're talking about like kind of the new face of New York City breweries, and um, each one of you is a little different. But Talia, you guys are the most traditional brewery in terms of the fact that you guys have been raising money. You started contracting. Now you're opening a space, and you ha- and you have a brewery. So Johnny. We talk a little bit about the sourcing you have to do for materials. Tell us about like how good beer you make, like the beer that you make, your background, great. and you know, you like to beer. make good beer. So this is about making good beer. So I've read some things about you guys. It's like you're not trying to make rosé wine. You're actually trying to make good beer, and your beer is good. And um, places like Beer Table have put their you know their thumbs up behind it. So yeah. tell us about the beer that you make, and let's taste one of yours too. Another one. Is there another Talea beer we can there try? Is. All right. There is. We just poured a bunch of Gage's beer, and we'll, we'll put it to the side. A Gun Hill it, beer. It's a Gun Hill A Gun Hill stout. You can't we love go Gun Hill. Love you, Dave. <laughs> so right now, we're cracking open some Tropic Berry Tart Deco. Um, so that's our highest rated beer on Untapped, uh, and we're doing our next iteration in that style. Just um, say one more. What, what is the beer? It's Talea. This is Talea's Tropic Berry Tart Deco, 7.5% sour IPA. We're pursuing a flavor profile uh, that is super fruit forward. Uh, we're using passion fruit, raspberry, and guava. Uh, really full body and lots of mouthfeel, lots of texture. Uh, a a consequential amount of acidity, but not an enamel stripping. And uh, really just going for a beer that we find to be highly accessible. We're, we're hopping with citron mosaic, and we're getting some of that character into the beer, boosting the aromatics with that, um, but not a, a hoppy beer per se. Um, and then as far as pursuing great beer, uh, I think that Terry and Leanne, uh, they're home brewers and they know about the brewing process and they knew about the styles of beers that they wanted to be pursuing and the portfolio of beers that they wanted to be pursuing. And that we're trying to create the best things that appeal to everybody. Um, not beer for everybody per se, but the styles that are working for all demographics. Uh, and we're looking at a lot of things that are popular right now. We're looking at IPAs. Uh, fruit forward, low bitterness IPAs. We're looking at sours, uh, particularly fruit forward sours, uh, sours that have extra elements on top. Johnny, that, where, where did you work before? So you, you have a background as a brewer. So give us a little bit about your story. It helps build the cred. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've, I've been in beer in some form or another since about 2012 and uh, with breweries since 2014. Um, cut my teeth at Monday Night Brewing in Atlanta. Uh, shout out to those guys. They're great. And uh, I was actually primarily in operations and, like, just getting my hands into production, you know. They would let me twist some of the valves when they were already in the right place, that sort of thing. And uh, then brewing primarily at Six Points R&D production facility for the last couple of years, uh, Hot Minute at LIC Brewery. And uh, that was a really great production environment to be a part of. Um, Got to 
work with uh, Eric Bockley, who is running the six-point R&D department. He is the head brewer of Trillium, now doing TBD. Um, Not quite sure. Great. And then Tara, so, you know, as you guys are setting up, you know, you you started as contracting, you were building the brand a little bit, gathering investors. At at what point did you you decide to hire a brewer, and how did you find uh, Johnny? You know, that's an interesting (laughs) process. Like, how do you find and hire good people? Sourcing. As you're just building um, yourselves up. Sourcing ingredients, sourcing people, it's all really important to (laughs) building the business. Uh, I found Johnny on LinkedIn. Um, He responded to my message. And at the time, we were six or eight weeks into the concept phase of what would be Talaya. And we knew that we wanted a real brewer on board because five gallons doesn't scale to eight or 9,000 cans in a go. Um, so we started talking to Johnny to help us with uh, vetting contract breweries and understanding, you know, ingredient sourcing, what might build a really great recipe that would be the right for our target market, the right beer for our target market, but also really attractive to, you know, the boutique beer bars who are the people who are willing to take a chance on brands like us. So I think we all are thankful for how open minded the New York City craft beer scene is to accepting new beer brands. Okay, so this is December. It's 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 rainy in New York, but it's going to be chilly. It's almost Christmas. It's almost Hanukkah. It's chilly. There's a beer that I'm craving, and I'll tell you guys at the end. <laughs> but to test your your real craft, I mean, I, I actually I feel like um, Eric, you've got some cred because you came from San Diego. You mentioned Alesmith mm-hmm. and and Stone, and I'm thinking of Old Green Flash. So we're going to oh, test everybody's yeah. cred. What beer are you craving right now, this time of year in the Northeast? Who wants to go first? Craving. Craving. I'm craving. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to go first. I'm going to give you guys all a second answer. The answer is Pilsner. I don't give a (laughs) damn. I want nothing else. Especially as a brewery that makes only IPA. God, all I want is a Pilsner. But mm. is there a brand? No, any Pilsner. Any Pilsner. Any Pilsner will do. Miller High Life, Tipo Pils. I don't care. I'm not particular. Okay, next. (laughs) Johnny's ready to say uh, I, I want to say the credit answer is Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale. Um, <laughs> no. My personal, I'm always going, literally always, not seasonally, uh, Schlenkerla, they're Hellas. Yeah. Hellas Lager, that's a good one. Okay. Tara? Ooh, uh, I'm going to, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so the closest. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. Same? Um, the closest. Is that a common thread there? Gage? I didn't know that I was the case. We either. know each other fairly well. <laughs> Our dogs are friends, but I don't know this about her. I'm a I'm recovering excited. Pennsylvanian. Same. Ooh. You know, I'm going to tell people that. Oh. All right, let's but hear Not it. from the beer, because I grew up uh, just north of Delaware, so Dogfish Head and Victory. It, you know, what are you I craving? Uh, are so you craving I was going to say Victory Sour Monkey um, or Dogfish Head 90 Minute IPA. Those are kind of some of my, you know, gateway drug beers. But that's like, it's craving, craving right now for this time of year. Eric, yeah, are I you mean, craving a beer right now? Well, it's, I mean, it's what Johnny said, Sierra Nevada Celebration. That's about kind of as good as it gets for me. Sierra Nevada Pale is probably my favorite beer of all time. Mm. So for me, that's, that beer and that company is about as good as it gets. So that's something a true, like, you can look forward you know to it. I'll, I'll toast to that. that. That's a great beer for this time of year, and I could yeah. crave that. I'll tell you what I was craving. Today, I was before the show, I was looking at uh, some of my favorite beer Instagram accounts, and I'm a big fan of foam brewers up in Vermont. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. They like to work with a lot of local ingredients. They came down this summer, did something with us. They have some new coffee collaboration stout, and that, I thought that's kind of what I'm thinking about today. My craving beer was, it's old school, but I just had it a couple weeks ago, Sam Smith. Oatmeal stout. Oh man! You know, so it's still it's like it's got the right alcohol so level, but it's got that mouth feel, and um, to me, that's what brings it back to beer. Is that there, there's a beer that I've had that I want not just once, but I want like ten of them, and uh, I keep remembering it. So if if you have any memories like that, that that's what I'm trying to think about, and I'm, I'm trying I to get like you guys to have some soul. I know you guys I got like the marketing <laughs> down, you got I the like. branding. Um, I, I love and hate that, that everyone has cans with all this cool art, but I'm like, do I actually drink the art? I don't. So at the end of the day, it is about the liquid. And for hey me, man, it's... That, 
I'm just saying back. I've got a collection of. I mean, and we need one more beer too. So <laughs> I'm I'm two cans deep, but I am building a collection. I think that's the right way to put it. In my apartment, of all of the nice cans with nice art. Eventually, I'll peel them off the can, make a you know framed piece, <laughs> um, put them all together. Man, I don't know. It can be nice. You can keep them. People do it. You should do it. So let's fill your home. Now, more news. So, so business in New York City. So you guys are now all breweries in New York City. There's things like the New York City Brewers Guild. So what direction should or, or will, you know, the brewers in the city be taking? There's, there's New York City Beer Week that's successful. You guys are now all going to be players in it, right? Because you're all, technically, even as contract breweries, you can be part of the New York City Brewers Guild. I paid my guild dues. I'm going to be there. Same. <laughs> uh, I think um, that... There is a really big interest in getting more involved in the community of New York City. So, you know, I think that means um, finding ways to showcase New York City brewed in the city and um, engaging with either other local makers or other community groups. So my hope for 2020 is that we can find more ways to engage with the communities that support craft beer. So I think a lot of the local neighborhoods have shown... Um, that the foot traffic is amazing for supporting breweries and, you know, not, especially in the dead of winter, you're not taking a train. I mean, maybe some people would, but an hour to get to a brewery. So I would love to give back to local community. And that's something we hope to do once we open our doors and, you know, while we're brewing great beer, we're actually giving away, um, some cases for the holiday season to a couple of different nonprofits, including the museum of, food and drink and a restaurant called Emma's Torch, which actually trains refugees how to cook. And so that's an easy thing for us to do to support those entities. But I think it can go beyond that to engage the community. Right. What about you, Eric? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you guys did because you have a slightly different approach. Like Gage was talking about non sequitur, doing pop-up events, uh, creating like a, you know, a vibe. But you guys, the Sunday beer thing, did you actually have like one cooler and one one store where you sold the beer out of? I mean, have you done anything like that? Yeah, actually, well, funny enough, we actually do partner with a place in the Navy Yard that we kind of share warehouse space with where we have an entire fridge just filled with Sunday beer and nothing else. Um, but, yeah, we, I mean... But that that's a market, that's a sales option. To yeah. To take over an entire fridge and a store. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we, that was a little bit of a sweetheart deal. Um but yeah, I mean, as far as like where NYC beer is headed, um, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of flexibility actually within within the licenses and what seems to be sort of a strict um, sort of a strict thing and a lot of red tape there. And you know, I think that the whole uh, article on McKellar came out. I don't know if it was like a year ago, and just like kind of all these interesting things they're doing. I think people are maybe much less tied to this, the classic brick and mortar brewery and getting pretty interested in something like the non sequitur thing I think is really great. Just the whole events and, and fun around it and building community and kind of at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all trying to do is build a community and tap into this larger community. And then you, you try to build a, a smaller community based around your brand and what you're <coughs> doing within that. And I mean, we're just, yeah, all about having fun. So like, you know, we're, pretty open to like whatever model people do it and i i would like to just see more of it i think seeing non sequitur is just such a fun thing to see like people's take on where beer can go and um yeah i think it's great the, the, more is, that, the other is you guys are all making good beer like there's not a bad beer in hey yeah, people do say that about <laughs> all three of us not just me yeah <laughs> i mean i, I kind of like you said i think before um the the barrier to entry is higher because we're just so much further in the cycle. So you, you just can't come to market with a bad beer these days. I mean, obviously, if you're doing lots of releases, you're probably going to miss if you're getting experimental. But yeah, I, it's just such there's so much a higher standard. Um, but then again, the industry's been around a little longer. So you have a lot more people like Johnny who, you know, you can you can poach someone who's actually been in it. And they're not it's not just homebrewers anymore with a dream. Uh, you get people who are actually industry people now. Johnny? I was going to say, we're kind of at an interesting point where... Are you going to get poached? <laughs> He's already been poached. Already. Yeah, yeah it's done. quick turnover, so yeah. hopefully... <laughs> I'm done getting poached. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think we're at an interesting point where people with a vision that to actually pursue the traditional brick-and-mortar brewery model, 
Yes, absolutely. Super high barrier to entry. Super high barrier to entry, particularly within New York. That's why we're an underserved market. Um, but we do have the opportunity for brands like Volblind, Non Sequitur, and the way we're getting started um, with this excess capacity that and friendly laws like from New York mm-hmm. to allow us to do these sorts mm-hmm. of things that gives us a chance to bring brands to fruition in whatever model like. Well, let's benefits. make a toast to New York State. Uh, Thank you, New York 2012, State. a lot of reforms, and we've yeah. done we quite a few that. shows we about it. We love y'all. We're going to have to wrap up soon, but Gage, uh, quickly, we just tasted a Free Thought. So Free Thought okay, is one yes. of the other breweries that... Free Thought is one of our friends. Uh, so Free Thought, Ben, ben and... Uh, I wish I remembered the rest of the Ryan? name. Sorry, y'all. Uh, so Ben is from... The restaurant Blue Hill. Thank you. He's the beverage director. So he's a fine and dining so, guy. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing with Free Thought is making beers that are inspired by food or beverage or other things, not inspired by beer. So he's trying to do weird stuff. So the beer that we're currently drinking, called Temporo, is a sour ale brewed with plums, cardamom, and rose water. Uh, we may not get into it. He has another one that is a sour with. Let me wipe the condensation off here. <laughs> fennel, fennel pollen, honey, milk, sugar, and lemon. Sounds like so a good barbecue out there. They're doing, they're doing some really interesting things. And this is a really complex beer. There's a lot to it. I, I mean, I, I'm appreciating... The, these are flavors that I've not really had in beer. Um, so they're really trying to... Uh, you know, something like reinventing the wheel. They're, they're experimenting. And that is that's worth doing. Then the, the, there was one more brand that didn't get to come. Public on. Access Liquids, yeah. And what is he making? So Public Ramon. Access is making all all manner of beer. I think they've they've made IPA, they've made sour, they've made uh, some funky stuff. And uh, Ramon, uh, who's behind Public Access, you can find him at Proletariat in the East Village, and that's where he's based. That's great, guys. This has been an awesome show. We cover a lot of bases. Gage, thank you so much for putting the show together. Let's thank go you, around Jimmy. the room and everybody just one more time say their name and where they're from. Yeah, Eric Schultz. I'm with Little Blind. Johnny Osborne, Talia Beer Company. Tara Hinkinson, Talia Beer Company. Uh, Gage and Nelson from Non Sequitur Beer Project. <laughs> he brought his service. He's dog. here. My I dog is that, here, man. Sitting on my lap. Well, thanks so much for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. If you have questions for us at Beer Sessions Radio, email us at askbeersessionsradio at gmail.com, and we'll answer on the air. Next week, we're doing a tasting of Belgian triple styles and Abbey Ales with the Beer Table Experts. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for our producer. Yeah, man. Uh, Dylan Hoyer, our our producer, and our intern, Kevin Chang-Barnum, and our engineer, Matt Patterson. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, guys. Woo! All right. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.